0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you work in the film industry? Are you freelance? Or perhaps you have a nine-to-five? No matter what you do, mental health affects us all. I struggled early on in my career with the uncertainty of if and when I would ever work again, struggling to pay my bills or simply with anxiety. Don't know about you, but being an actor, it's very important for me to maintain structure in the downtimes, and I found not only exercise, but talking to someone, for me, was a game-changer. And so Life in Film has partnered with BetterHelp to provide you with access to the largest online therapy service in the world. And it can all be done for the comfort of your own home, from a phone, tablet or laptop, no commute, cutting down travel costs, and most importantly, it's affordable. With over a thousand therapists in the UK, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you need someone to talk to you and you're thinking of giving therapy a go, BetterHelp is a great option. And being a listener of the podcast, you get 10% off. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. That's better help.com forward slash life and film. Welcome to a life and film. I'm Elliot James Langridge. I'm an actor, writer, and apparently a podcaster. And I love film. This is the podcast that we ask our guests from in front and behind the camera. How did they get their foot in the door? What was the key to unlocking their success? What's their story? Previous guests include Amanda Abington, George Mackay, Phil Dunster, Diana Boring, and Tommy Flanagan. Today's guest is Dexter Fletcher. Dexter's acting career took off when he was only six years old, when he starred as Babyface in Alan Parker's Bugsy Malone. This was closely followed by appearances in The Long Good Friday and The Elephant Man, As an adult, you'll know him from Guy Ritchie's Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Bowers, and Steven Spielberg's Band of Brothers, among many, many, many more. Not only that, he is now one of the most exciting directors working today. He came in to save Bohemian Rhapsody from the brink of disaster, or in his words, he helped them finish it. He's directed the brilliant Taron Egerton multiple times, first off in Eddie the Eagle, following this up with Oscar-winning Elton John biopic *Rocket Man*. We talk about the ups and downs of being in the industry for over 40 years, capturing the magic of action-adventure comedies such as Romancing the Stone and True Lies in his new movie Ghosted starring Chris Evans and Ana de Armas. And I admit, my most embarrassing moment involves him. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a like and a follow, thank you.
1: It's a life and fail. It's a-
0: thank you for thank you for squeezing me in man i appreciate it no likewise if i may dexter yeah. if we could turn back the clock and Good and luck. ask how it all began like when you actually started out as an actor when you were a kid and yeah. you know, doing movies like i mean that i didn't i know obviously a lot about your career and i've followed you and i've always admired you but looking back and seeing some of the absolute bangers you're in it's yeah it's pretty funny the first few films i mean like Bugsy Malone, L- Long Good Friday, the Elephant Man—that's just yeah. a ridiculous start. How did that yeah. begin? How 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 did that start? Oh,
1: I I went to just like in in Islington, uh, where my granny still now lives, ninety-nine years old, at Oxton. There, there was a drama club basically, and and there was people like Phil Daniels and Pauline Quirk and a whole bunch of. Uh, the the Kemp brothers from Spandau Ballet. There was a whole bunch of actors, you know, kids who who sort of uh, would ordinarily be excluded from school. I think, you know, we there was this, just a club, and he'd go after school to this club, and it was very working class, and and uh, it's in fact the area that where Alan Parker came from in the Angel Islington. Uh, and that's why he ended up casting kids from Bugs and Malone there. That's where I. I but I, but I went there at a very early age. I, look, this is me there. That I have a picture on my desk of me there.
0: Wow. And, well, so how old are you there? I'm
1: five there. Wow. You could go from five six years old on anyway. So I had two older brothers and we went there and and then uh, then sort of casting directors sort of discovered this place where the kids were very. Natural. It was all improvisation. There was no sort of script study or anything like that. You just make up plays or scenes. It's all very natural. It's great. Um, but but the 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 kids were uh, the acting there was sort of yeah just very raw and and it uh, and it took off in the seventies. It became a big thing. You know, if you want a good child actor, you go to Anna Shures. That's the mm. name. Anna Shures. So, and I went there. My brothers and, and some kids got work. Most didn't and and she would never let you do adverts she was always very strict about that so it was either theatre or televisions or films and um and i was part of that wave you know in the 70s of kids who who came out of that that drama club in islington
0: mm-hmm. um
1: with my brothers and uh, various other people uh, but Kathy burke it was was from there and um Anyway, so so yeah, and then, and then I started doing theatre a lot. I did a lot of theatre actually, and, and and extra work in TV. But then at about nine, I started getting yeah yeah I I, I got some some more serious work, and then Bugsy Malone changed everything. Jack, Bugsy Bugsy just yeah just changed everything for me really as a child
0: actor. Yeah. Am, am I right in thinking that the I I feel like I spotted. I think one of the guys from Bugsy Malone in the offer, am I wrong in saying that one of the other kids, I mean, it's just by sight. I should have probably looked it up and made sure. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure he's one of the gangsters in it. I may be completely. I'm probably. completely. No, wrong.
1: You might be thinking that one of the guys, there's a few guys from band of brothers in
0: there. Yeah. Band of brothers. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Cause the guy that, yeah. with that spoiler alert, oh. but the guy that gets shot, um, yeah, he, he in fact
1: is in Hook.
0: Ah, uh, that's it. what he he's in as a kid. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, that's in what fact, I'm getting confused Jimmy about.
1: How he, is. he and I are good friends. I think you know there's definitely a lot of crossover because he was a child actor, I was, and we both come from very sort of working class backgrounds. Really, you know, he's he's a New York uh, little Italy guy. I mean, he's the real deal. You know, he he. Mm-hmm. That's why I got him in. He was one of the first people I got in. You know, that character in the script was written as a six-foot kind of heavy. Uh, yeah. Like, no, no, it's got to be Jim, Jimmy Mario because he's the real, he's authentic. And, and um, uh, and so, and he's a good friend and I wanted to work with him. So uh, <laughs> from bugsy from, Bugs, but he, from uh, Band of Brothers, rather. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's in Hook. That's where you recognize
0: him. Uh, yeah, sorry. I should have done my homework on that one. <laughs> no, the... The, um, the cast in that, though, there were lo- loads of little faces that I was thinking, oh, yeah, him, definitely Band of Brothers. There's a, there's quite a few of them, isn't there's there, there? There's a and, lot.
1: The guy uh, plays Frank Sinatra. Yeah, and,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Here. There's a couple of FBI agents as well. That's Lieb Gotten-Toy, uh, uh, Ross McCall and, and Kirk though, Um
0: And I love there's there's quite a few English actors in there that um, yeah. it's nice to see them playing those roles. Like they're really doing something completely different. um.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love
0: that that's that's
1: you know Matthew Good, Burn Goldman, uh, you know uh, mm, uh, Matthew
0: Good's brilliant.
1: Matthew Good is brilliant. Uh, and, um, also, Colin Hanks is in there. Who's an old mate yeah. from Band of Brothers as well. He was it Band of Brothers was his first job, and he I was a sergeant. He was my lieutenant. You know, there's <laughs> all these kind of connect those Band of Brothers guys. We're we're all sort of there's there's little groups of us that are quite close still. Mm, Twenty mm. five years later or whatever it is, you
0: know. Wow, that's mad. I mean, that is one of those shows that you look back at the cast and you just think, wow, there's just so mm-hmm. many people who have come out of that. And, um, you know, obviously they're doing Masters of the Air now, which is kind of not a follow-up, but it's the same team behind it. And it's got all these yeah. young, exciting actors in it and everyone's clambering to get in there um, in the hope that it will be, you know, Band of Brothers. Yeah, but,
1: they know what they're doing. They do know what
0: they're doing. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like it's going to be pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it looks great.
0: yeah. But um, to, to touch on, like, obviously you you acted for, you know, 30, 40 years and you're still acting now, but obviously now the directing is something that you're you're obviously very passionate about and you've had great yeah. success with. Where yeah. did that kind of, where did that moment come where you went, oh, I'm going to give this a go, actually? And, the, you know, Wild Bill came around and you were like, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I sort of tell the story about Wild Bill that, that, um, you know, I wrote it with a friend. I had uh, this idea for a story, this story cooking around in my head for a long time, uh, and um, and I spoke to a, a friend who was a writer and who'd never really written many screenplays, but but he he put you know together the first bones of it, and then he works on it. Uh, and and I, and I had it anyway, and I met this producer, and and I just wanted to get it made. So I was like, I I've written this with a friend, and I handed it over to her uh just just to see if she was interested and and um and then she read it and liked it and but she just made the assumption that I was gonna direct it uh because like you say I've been acting 40 years people know who I am I'd just been doing this show called Hotel Babylon so people kind of knew me from that and Lockstock was had a lot of still had a lot of currency it, although it was sort of 10 years, 15 years after Lockstock, you know, people remember it but such affection and it was such a great hit out of very little, you know, it didn't cost mm. a lot of money and it really made a lot of money. So that formula, that's good. And, and the thing is about Lockstock is that there's, there's been lots of uh, uh, derivative versions of uh, people have made films because so I think a lot of people watching went, well, that's me. I can do that. That's, this is just, you know, guy made it look incredibly easy and, and he had a lot of authentic characters in it. So a lot of those, People felt that they could make that film or films like it. It was easy when it's course, it's anything but. Mm. So you get a lot of of kind of uh, uh substandard. I mean, a lot of people enjoy them and they and they there's have the market for them. I'm not not dissing them in any way, but and so but anyway, I think this producer felt because I was attached to Lockstock and I part of that original crew, and I was talking about. You know, uh, 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 I was around with those kind of. But anyway, she assumed I wanted to direct it, and so she said, "Okay, I've got you the money. You're directing it. You're you're directing. Of course, you're directing." <laughs> and so I realised that my opportunity was there and then to to get it made was to say yes, although I'd not really thought about it. I suppose I must have always been really thinking about it, um, uh, 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 and uh, but never it never found a voice. Uh, and mm. then this woman sort of said, "Okay, you're directing it." Sam Troman's her name is uh I said yeah 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 that's the plan although I never really thought about it and she said great and she went and got the money uh wow. it was a money and so then I started getting into that idea and I and I I knew there was a whole lot I didn't know but so then I set about trying to find out what the other side of the camera stuff was that I didn't know because as an actor mm. you know you get employed when everything else is kind of set you know, and you come in and you do your costume fitting, and you, you know you, you do your stuff, and they kind of keep the other kind of madness away from you, so you can focus on on acting and, and and being great, and 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 then you go home, and then a year later you see the film and you go, oh great, that was good, or oh Jesus, what I <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, so, so so I yeah I, I sort of. Stumbled into, I suppose, but I had directed lots of acting workshops in my my twenties and and with my brother Graham. So I I kind of had a handle on 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 that or an idea. Mm. Uh, so I just and then I met George Richmond, who was incredible DOP who who shot this incredible film called Children of Men. He was the operator of, on Children of Men. Uh, yeah, I loved him, and, and and then he turned up and. Said, "Well, you could get someone else to shoot it for you, but you'd be an idiot if you did." <laughs> I, was like, I really like this guy. <laughs> I really like him. So I got yeah, you know, and then I put it together, and 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 then it got nominated for a BAFTA, and you know, so on and so forth. That
0: obviously helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it, I mean that must have been pretty nerve wracking though. First day, first shot, <laughs> sitting there thinking, yeah,
1: oh, "Yeah, shit." It was. I remember it was really cold. It was really cold. we were shooting in a graveyard, and it was the one day that we had Andy Circus. But I, you know, I was canny in that. I, I asked a lot of. Uh, there's not many people in that film I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relationship with before. Uh, I'm trying to think who, you know, maybe Olivia uh, Williams. I'd not met. I did though. I knew everyone. And the crew was, you know, it wasn't big, and it and it felt it was just really exciting. And I, I've been working on it. You know, one of the first things I did is I found the location, even before the script was finished being written. I, I was, it was just a, another piece of good fortune. Is that I was talking about this tower block, and I needed to have a flat and a tower block. And my cousin who works in TV production said to me, "Oh." There's an empty tower block in Newham. You should talk to the Newham Film Council, who oh, I had no idea existed. I didn't even know those things existed because I, as an actor, you don't have to think about locations. So I had to phone up Newham Film Council and they and went, oh, yeah, yeah, we've got a tower block. And they let me, my brother, me and my brother went down and looked at it and it was an entire tower block empty except for a few flats. And they gave us a whole floor. They said you couldn't rent a whole floor. So then we had six flats on the 19th floor of this empty tower block. And I started writing to that tower block, which really helped keep the production small and efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and that became a, a character in the film almost, you know. And, and um, that worked hugely to our advantage. It, it just meant money that we did have, we could use really effectively i'm getting into the nitty-gritty of it now no that's
0: really interesting i think especially when it comes to film budgets and like low budget yeah. films it's like yeah. it's always scrabbling the pennies together isn't it to find something that's actually going to work mm-hmm. um so it's written. Really, no i find that really interesting yeah no no
1: i well, just one more thing on that is that there was there's was a great there's a good friend of mine uh called ben pew and iran creevy who made a great film called shifty it's a really oh, yeah. film yeah which I really loved and admired. And I went and spoke to Ben, the producer, and he said, just make sure you get your central hub and never travel more than 10 minutes for any location from there. And so I, because I had this tower block where, where I had an incredible view of London and the Olympic Village was being built out of the window, you could literally see that, wow. that place emerging. And because the film was about renewal, old to new, you know, uh, and re-establishing things, it, it, it just sort of, it kind of really played into the whole thing. And and that advice worked really well, and I would give the same advice to any filmmakers, like get your central hub and make sure you don't have to travel too far so you can make the film. You know, don't, don't overextend yourself. And we just spent one day in the Isle of Wight, and other than that, it's all within a two-mile radius of a tower block.
0: Anyway, there you go. Wow. I, I mean I love I love that film. Now for a quick break. Are you a writer, and director, actor, costume designer, perhaps makeup artist? Are you interested in camera? This is the place to share your journey. We want to hear from you. How did you start your career? Has it started yet? And perhaps if you're feeling brave, share with us your most embarrassing film related moment. So slip into our DMs at Life and Film Pod on Instagram. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash life and film where you'll get episodes early and uncut amongst other treats. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a positive rating. Add us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at lifeandfilmpod and find our video episodes on YouTube by searching Elliot James Language Life and Film. Essentially, please like and subscribe everything. It makes a huge difference. Thank you. This is also a space we'd like to fill with sponsors and advertisement for like-minded podcasts so please get in touch and back to the show here's the trailer for dexter's new movie ghosted on apple tv on the 21st of april i was just wondering if you wanted to um you know go out sometime
1: you want to get a coffee now (laughs) yes now i'll just hang on (laughs) when i wake up
0: well, I know I'm gonna be, i I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I think she might be the one. Yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna
1: be, the man who goes along with you.
0: She really is great. You'll see.
1: Any word? She
0: to him. I bet she isn't even seeing your text. She does travel a lot for work. Go to her. I'm going to London. You get it. It's a grand romantic gesture. Yeah, that is amazing, mate. 5,000 miles to surprise a girl who you've only met once. Especially if she's the one who ghosted you. Yeah? No, no, she didn't ghost me. She just doesn't have an international calling plan. Oh, right. Where am I? Now. Oh, God, do you have the wrong guy? I'm a farmer. Wait, wait. Can you walk, Gold? Say to you. Who are you, CIA? I'm so confused. They kept asking me about the taxman. They asked you about the taxman. They think I am a taxman? You're the tax man. Oh my God! Oh my God! You got me kidnapped and tortured all after
1: one day. <laughs> I saw the rock. You're the one who flew to London. It was a romantic gesture. Get every bounty hunter on the continent. I want her alive. This is bigger than you and me. Didn't it never occur to you that he could be a foreign asset trying to compromise your mission?
0: Who the hell are you? I'm the boyfriend.
1: Trust me, is that a joke?
0: (laughs) This project compared to your other, you know, obviously Rocket Man and um, Eddie, or things like that. How does this compare? Because this is like a sweeping action adventure. Um, What is it like going on set and doing something like this? It must be a very different uh, process.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, you, you you basically got the same elements as you do with making all films. Uh, you know, you, you've got the actors and the cameras and the lights and the sets and the props and, uh, but but all of them, but well, every time they're different. You know, every every project is different. At least I, I I try to strive for that. Anyway, that's something I I like to. You know, Alan Parker was a great sort of hero of mine and and a great influence uh, for, for various reasons. Uh, but what I when I look at his his canon of work, I I was always sort of impressed and excited by how how different choices he would make from one project to the next. You know, if you look at Bugsy or or or, or Fame or The Commitments or Angel Heart or Mississippi Burning, you know, they're they you know the, the, these films are all very different. Midnight Express, they're all they're all very different he always try to make different choices and okay there's some crossover obviously there's music and stuff like that which, which tends to happen when when you make a success of a particular kind of film mm. as i've experienced you know with, with, with music uh for example but uh that's something that sort of like intrigues me and, and excites me so so uh something like ghosty which has got a scale that i'd not really had before the scale of which i'd not i've not sort of um before was also a very exciting element of that mm. because it was just you know it was globe trotting and and there's action and it's kind of these mm. big movie stars and, and 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 big kind of ideas and 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 I was kind of curious like oh how do i how could i apply what i do to that genre of film you know mm.
0: um, i could tell the minute i saw the trailer and the, yeah. music, the music started yeah. You know, I was like, this feels like a Dexter Fletcher film. Oh, really? Um, okay. That's good. I yeah. like
1: that. Okay.
0: <laughs> but I'm um, I'm very I'm yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I love obviously Chris Evans and and um I can never pronounce her name. Anna then how'd you sell her say armes? Um both brilliant actors and the chemistry in the trailer looks like it's like just on point. Yeah. Um is, is this more of a action or is it a comedy? Because I know it's kind of it kind of it feels like a romance in the stone kind of, movie yeah, where it's got a bit of both.
1: Exactly, that was that was our touchstone, and in fact, uh, e- Evans sort of loves romancing the stone, and I do. And he, he came actually from a conversation that he was having with Riesel Wernick about it, and I think then that's when they started sort of developing it up, and and it's like, how do we make that different? But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint now. I'd say it's a comedy. It is funny. It certainly you know leaves you with a smile on your face. I think. Uh, and that was that's the intention. But also, I was, I think, what "Romancing the Stone" or "True Lies" or, or those big '80s kind of movies do is they kind of have one foot firmly planted in reality. You kind of feel, oh, though they, you know, they're over the top in a lot of aspects. Uh, um, because if these sort of things were happening around the world, we'd hear about them. But but there's a kind of a foot in reality. It's got to feel like well, it's feasible, it's plausible, you know, and that. that that this, this couple could go on this kind of crazy adventure in this world of espionage and and, and uh, undercover daring do. I don't know what the, you know. Uh, uh, but so so that was very much a, a part of this so because it means we get to have the best of, best of both worlds in that, you know, we can have a bit of drama and a bit of pathos and a bit of like, yeah. hey, there's a point to this, you know, where there's something of the human condition we're trying to address and and give some kind of recognizable human moment to to the audience so that they're connected to this story you know that either i they want to have that experience or they recognize that experience and that invariably comes down to how we all relate to one another and 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 the human kind of connection and, and and stuff so so i'm i was very keen to I think my other films kind of do that. You know, it's kind of how do you make these extraordinary people like Elton John relatable? How do you, because of course he's just a bloke like anyone else. He's just has this extraordinary life. So I think that's the aim. But so it's, it's a, it is a comedy, it is a romance, it is a rom com, really. Mm. It just has an extraordinary, you know, you're in a rom com, you've always got to stick some obstacle between them being together, mm. whether it's selves or a, a falling meteor or, Or, I don't know, an alien invasion or whatever it is. This just happens to be that her job kind of makes things more complicated.
0: Slightly bigger obstacle than normal, but yeah, I love it. You've obviously gone from, you know, doing The Offer, which I'm halfway through at the moment, I'm absolutely loving. Um, I find it fascinating because I love The Godfather as well. So there's all those lovely moments in there. You go, oh, yeah um going from that to this I mean how did this land on your desk what was the how, how did it come about how did it all start for you to uh, that
1: that was um I was doing the offer and I'd done the first two episodes and we were in serious discussion about me I mean you know the plan was that I'd do the last two as well although that wasn't kind of officially signed off on which was to my good fortune really um because when I just finished editing the first two apps. I was having just sort of coming to the end of it, uh, um, and sort of getting thinking about the last two apps. This landed on my desk, and, and Skydance and Evans uh, sort of got me on a Zoom. And was like, "Look, we think that you would have a good take on this, and you know, this here it is." And and I read it. And I was like, "Oh, that's a lot of fun, and it's it's a big budget, and you know, it's Evans and Skydance and Apple, and it sort of like had all these great." interesting exciting elements to it and the script was good uh and they did they did they dropped it on my desk and said what would you do and so i said well i'll do this and i'll do that i'll change this and i think about that and they and they all sort of nodded very enthusiastically and 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 said look we really want you to do it so then i had to make that big decision about okay do i do i you know take this golden opportunity and and unfortunately, have to pull out of the last two episodes of the offer, which is something i would become incredibly passionate about and loved very much. Uh, it was just I, I was more on a, whole of a dilemma there really. Fortunately, Paramount and and Nicole Clements, uh, the the head of the studio, was like, look, we get it. It's an incredible opportunity, and as as gutted as we are, we kind of understand where you're at. So I had a, you know we had a good open honest conversation, and they were very very understanding and, and it's supportive in fact. Mm. So, so, and the offer had kind of got a really good team on it. And, 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 uh, uh, and the other directors were great. So, but yes, essentially they came to me and went, read this. We think you'd be great for it. And I sort of, when I, when I first went to LA, I was talking to Al Ruddy, the guy who played, uh, the guy who, <laughs> yeah. Godfather, and, and uh, he, he, he said to me, so what did you do in that movie, Bohemian Rhapsody? And I said, oh, you know, like, I kind of helped him finish it. And he went, oh, man, you, you're you fucked when you come to Hollywood. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, if you was an American and someone said to you, what did you do in Bohemian Rhapsody? As an American, you would be like, I saved that fucking film. They, <laughs> were, they were in so much trouble. And then I came in and I fucking saved it. I saved it from the brink of disaster. If it wasn't for me, it would, you know. Which, which is not a particularly English approach, you oh, know. Man. The English approach is, like, well, I, you know, I helped out and it turned out well, so I'm very happy, you know, that's good. <laughs> so it was a little bit of an element of that, you know, when, when they said, we think you do a good job, I sort of went, yeah, yeah, I would do a good job of that. You know, you have to back yourself,
0: mm-hmm. whether you believe it or not. Be uh, American about it, for sure. Yeah, a bit
1: of that going on, yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was part of my learning curve. Um, I, I kind of say that, you know, a bit... Jokingly, because I just love the story about about how Ruddy's t- talking to me like that. Oh, you're fucked in America, kid. oh you
0: gotta be more. You gotta back yourself. Anyway, <laughs> sounds, uh, he sounds like a big character.
1: He's a big, big character. Yeah, <laughs> ninety three, and still sends me scripts. Now you
0: gotta read this, read that. You gotta do a movie, kid. Wow, well, uh... get it going in five months. Get it going. Here's the trailer for the brilliant The Offer on Paramount Plus now. Listen here, Bob. Paramount is going to come crashing down. We need hits. You've read The Godfather, right? Godfather? Sure, who hasn't? We've been all over town. No one wants to make this movie. So I need you to produce it. Get going. I can't believe you told me you read it. You better read fast on the plane. Oh yeah, that's big. The Godfather is bringing us too many problems. You want me to take care of it? gangster movies are dead this is not just some gangster film we need someone who understands the times for instance ford Coppola. he's got a great vision we have to put this in the picture a scene about gangsters arguing over sauce no a scene about family arguing over sauce i got no cast do you think the kino is actually a possibility cut it no Petito. marlon brando is interested he's a nutcase can one thing go right with this picture? You wanna make
1: a movie that's gonna make my people look like animals, and that ain't gonna happen. I respect what you're saying,
0: and I think I have a solution to our problem. You're still gonna try and make this thing?
1: I got no choice. I took a chance on you and you stabbed me in the back.
0: I won't judge you if you need to walk away from this. I'm not running either. This is what it's all about, the excitement, the thrill. That's movie magic, baby. I have to say my favourite film that you've ever done is, um, Eddie the Eagle. Just absolutely. It's got such a light of touch. Like Uh it it didn't, it didn't need to be as fun as it was. Um, Uh and I just really, I really admire that film. I think it's so good. Oh, thank you. You you can, it's one of those ones you can watch over and over again. Um, but talking of that film, I have a confession to make. Most embarrassing. I have a most embarrassing moment which involves you actually yeah so I'll tell you my most embarrassing story if you tell me yours but essentially mine (laughs) mine is I came into audition for Eddie the Eagle yeah and um it was you and it was one of the producers and I was really nervous because I was fully aware of who you were um and I was like this is a big deal I really don't want to blow it I'm dyslexic, so whenever I go into auditions and I'm trying to read, I'm like, it's uh-huh. you know the worst thing. So I came in, and and the scene, and when I look back at it now, I think this was obviously a stupid thing to do, but the scene was quite a uh, heartfelt, dramatic scene, which yeah. didn't need tears, but I felt at the time it did need tears. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you've ever worked with contact lenses, but <laughs> with contact lenses, it's very difficult to get a tear going. Right. So I, in my brain, I was trying to figure out, how can I wear my contact lenses so I can still read the script, but then get a tear? Uh-huh. I was like, should I take them out and be blind? But then I can't read. It's kind of, yeah. Re-mine. So I thought this was where it all went very wrong. I thought I'll take a little pot of deep heat and I'll put, <laughs> I'll put it in my pocket. This is awful. I've never told anyone this. So, you this know, now everyone's going to hear it. This is brilliant. So, so I came in and I'm really nervous. And you were lovely. The producer was lovely. And we're chatting and you're like, so what have you been up to? Blah, blah, blah. And we did the small talk and I'm like, should we do the scene? I was like, yeah, yeah, great. Like, okay, this is it. This is the time. So I put my hand in my pocket and I just kind of rub my eye a little bit. And then oh my! you God. guys are looking at the script and you go, oh, actually, I wanted to ask. And then you started talking about something else. And I think it was, <laughs> I, I, I'd done a film called Northern Soul. And I think yes, yes, we started okay. talking about Northern Soul. I love Northern and then, Soul. But I start crying and I remember that.
1: I remember you coming in now. I remember. Yeah.
0: And I start crying and then you're kind of both looking at me a little bit confused. And I'm like, yeah. yeah." And then we start doing doing that. I dry up. Absolute nightmare. This has gone. so. I just had to tell you because it was the worst. I don't don't remember you crying. (laughs) Maybe I do. Oh, it was bad. It was, well, to you, you won't have remembered it, but for me, that was a big moment of a big fuck up. I was like, oh God, what have I done? I should have just gone in there and done it, just read. Um, I, remember, I was
1: like, what was he crying about? He was really upset. He was obviously- <laughs>
0: and I remember you saying to me, it really stuck with me. You were like, oh, um, yeah, look, don't worry. Just relax. You could tell I was nervous. You're like, relax. I've seen Northern Soul. I think, I, I love that film. It's great. You're yeah. great. Just yeah. calm down. And I'm there, t- <laughs> like tears coming down my face. I'm just like, oh, fuck <laughs> but anyway, that's genius. That's my worst, <laughs> most embarrassing. Oh Sorry. man, of okay. one that okay. you can uh, tell us. I don't
1: think I should tell it. <laughs> 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 no, I've got to now. I can't not. Oh uh, no! My wife's like, don't. It's thirty-five. <laughs> years. I knew my, my wife's like anyway. Looks like I can't tell that story. <laughs> no uh, worries. Yeah. Uh um, no, I suppose it was another ad. I, I went for an an audition for an advert and uh it was for some soft drink. And uh I decided that it would be a good idea to it on a beach. To and this again in my twenties, you know, you, you know, you sort of strip down to your shorts and you find yourself standing there in the audition <laughs> in the shorts, and they're looking at you like, "What the hell's going on?" I was like, "Why do I? Why did you make that decision? I didn't need to get a job in an advert for a soft drink, particularly, uh, uh, but you just kind of make these strange decisions that I suppose are." Are like your deep heat in the eye, kind of uh, <laughs> choices. Their choices, aren't they, as actors? They are
0: choices. And some are wrong, and some are right.
1: Most are wrong. <laughs> some are wrong, and and some some are right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything m- vaguely. Well, I mean, I mean, I've, I've you know, I've had stuff where I've not realised the magnitude of what it was, and just sort of not not done the work. That was many years ago as an actor. Um, uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I don't have I don't have many that I could that none that could be yours. Yours is yeah, oh no.
0: Funny. I know that that yeah. is particularly bad. <laughs> no.
1: But I swore I much down never work with this crybaby. He's obviously emotionally <laughs> stressed all the time. Can't can't touch him.
0: Dexter, this has been uh, quite cathartic for me, clearly, after having to tell you that, that could story. A real pleasure and a genuine fan. So thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. And I know the audience are going to love it. Um, It's great you're
1: doing it. It's really, it's great. It's really cool. So yeah. um, Man, it's a
0: COVID project that turned into something. Now I get to, you know, chat to people like you. So I'm really pleased that. Oh, congratulations. um, It's just fun, man. Um, It's a good thing to do in between the acting work as well. Keeps you you sane, you know? Of course. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Good to but, talk about things. Yeah, man. Well, all the best with your film, and I'm really looking forward thank to you. seeing it. And um all the best, man. Take oh, care. All right. Brilliant. Thanks for thanks Cheers. so much. See you, again yeah? Take care. Bye. Cheers. All right, take care, mate.
1: Here's the laughing film, motherfucker subscribe and like and follow.
0: Thank you to our guest, Dexter, and thank you to Natalie and the rest of the team at RAL PR. Do
1: you trust me. Is that a joke? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. What's what? that? What's my bug? Oh, it's- I see it looked it looks huge.
1: I know because I put it in front of the screen like that. <laughs> not it? Someone gave me it. I just
0: think it's great.